I have a question. Are you mowing in the dark? Welcome back to the Mowing in the Dark podcast. I am your host, Aaron Sutter. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Friday episode. Guys, it has been a crazy week. Just unbelievably crazy. So Monday we had rain. I was rained out. This was this is my first week for the regular lawn care season. And so Monday I got rained out. Not a good sign. The first day of the season you're rained out. Not a good thing. Uh, sorry about the hair, guys. I just during the mowing season, I wake up and I go to work. So sorry about the hair. Today, uh, it's been raining all week, on and off. So it's been really frustrating. But I'm still on schedule, except for everything got pushed back one day. So now I have to do Friday's work on Saturday. But that's that doesn't really matter. That doesn't bother me too much. But today we're getting rain this morning and. Initially, it was looking like, oh, it's going to pass and it's we're not going to get any rain. But then five minutes later, I look out the window and it's raining. So I've been watching the, the weather pretty closely and it looks like it's going to rain where I need to go and mow for another hour or so. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to knock out this Faith Friday episode. Now, I have to warn you guys before I jump into it too far. I did not get to study as much as I wanted to this week. It's just been a killer week this week. Um, Tuesday, Monday and Tuesday, I went to the gym. And Tuesday, I, I did my full route, you know, for Monday. And man, I made the mistake of going to the gym because it's been about four weeks since I went to the gym until Monday and Tuesday. Oh my gosh, I was so sore. It was just awful. It was awful. Um it, my whole body hurt. Um, and then you, you throw in, you know, riding on the mower, getting all jarred and things like that from bumps that you're not used to from the last five months. You know, you're sitting on your butt basically for the last five months during the winter and you're not getting, your, your body's not getting jarred around like it does during the summer. My back hurt, my legs hurt, my arms hurt, my shoulders hurt, everything hurt. <laughs> and I was just miserable up until yesterday. Yesterday, we got rained out again in the morning. But then my son, Marcus, he homeschools, so he got done with school at around noon. And then the rain stopped and it cleared up. So we went out at about 1230, and he and I knocked out 10 properties in six hours. So that was really nice. It was very nice to have him along with me to work and, and just have that time. So he enjoys the money. He enjoys work. And I enjoyed having him there because it really cut down my time during the day. So it's just been a whirlwind of a week. Plus on the Ventrac side, I made a post on Facebook last Monday and because it was raining and snowing. And so I, the last episode that I did on the podcast, go listen to that. You'll hear why I do this, but I make a Ventrac post every time that it rains. All right. For driveway repair. If you're not doing this, try it. it it's unbelievable. So I made three different or four different Facebook posts in different community groups that I'm a part of, and they're all different towns 
that are right close to me here. And one of those posts just took off. So from that post, I've gotten like seven inquiries or requests for estimates for driveway repairs. And so it's been stressful just fielding those and I have to go do those on Saturday afternoon or Saturday morning. It looks like it's going to rain Saturday morning. So I might go do those on Saturday morning. And that post really took off. It's got like, I don't know, 50 some likes or whatever, which is really unheard of for a post like this. So um, it, it just took off. People are sharing it. It's it's weird. It's wild. I've never had this happen before for Ventrac work, but man, it just took off. So I've got a lot of interest in the driveway repair side, um, which has me a little worried because I, I need a lot of time to be able to do those things. Uh, and the weather isn't cooperating on the weekends. So it's, it's frustrating, but we will get it all in. Uh, scheduling is really difficult right now for that because I just don't know what's going to happen, but uh, it's wonderful. It's a great problem to have. So that's where I am today. It's just been a busy, busy week and I've been exhausted. I've been working 10, 11, 12 hours a day, except for yesterday. And so I've been tired, but this rain is giving me a little bit of a break. So that's nice. And so we're going to jump into Faith Friday today. We are in the book of Galatians. All right. So if this is your first time listening to a Faith Friday episode, welcome. First of all, what I do is I take a whole book of the Bible. Usually so far, it's been the New Testament. And usually they're smaller letters, the letters of Paul. All right. And so This letter is to the Galatians. We're in chapter three. If you haven't heard the other ones, if this is your first time here, you can go back and listen to Galatians one and two. And how I do this here is I read through the whole chapter and then we go back to verse one and we go through it all and try to break it down a little bit. I'm not a Bible scholar. I didn't go to Bible school. I I don't have any theological training. I just like the word of God and I try to break it down as best as I know how. I use a commentary every once in a while and I just try to give my thoughts on it, my point of view. I don't do like a daily devotional type thing. I don't do that. I, I think daily devotionals are in large part useless. Um, I find a lot more just reading the word and and letting it sink into my life, right? Um, I don't need to just read one verse with a devotional that somebody else wrote. I want the word, right? I want the word of God. I don't need someone else's words. I want the word. And that's why I read the whole chapter. And then we go back to verse one and I break it down. That way, if you just want to hear the Bible being read by somebody you know or feel like you know, um, then that's fine. I'm not the best reader in the world. I do make mistakes and things like that. But guys, if you like that, if you want more of the Bible in your life, this is one place you can do it once a week. I feel like faith is a plays a huge role in a successful business. And so that's why I've added this, this weekly episode to my business podcast, because it it's really important to me that, that I have faith that, that grounds me, right? It grounds me, it holds me fast. And so before we go jump into Galatians chapter three, let me play the show sponsor and then we'll jump right into it. 
As a lawn care provider, do you want to make a year-round income? Are you worried at the end of the lawn care season because you don't know how you're going to make it through the winter? Then you need to check out the 12-month contract from the Mowing in the Dark podcast. This is the same contract that Aaron uses to grow his lawn care business. This 100% editable 12-month contract template is available for only $5.99. The contract has rock-solid terms and conditions, so you are protected from all kinds of liability in lawn maintenance and snow removal. Get your 12-month contract at mowinginthedarkpodcast.com today. All right, guys, so we're back. Let's jump into Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to start at verse 1, and we're going to read all the way through the chapter. It's not too long, so I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then we will jump back to verse 1. All right, here we go. This is Paul speaking. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law? or because you believe what you heard. Consider Abraham. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand, then, that those who believe are children of Abraham. The Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed among, along with Abraham, the man of faith. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is anyone, everyone, who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, I'm sorry, let me go back to verse 12. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Brothers, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant pre previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For it is inheritance 
For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on a promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. What then was the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was put into effect through angels by a mediator. A mediator, however, does not represent just one party, but God is one. In the law, it, I'm sorry, is the law therefore opposed to the promise of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But the scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin, so that what promised, so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. Are you all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ? For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. I'm sorry, let me go back to verse 26 here. I read it wrong. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And that ends Galatians chapter 3. All right, let's go back to verse 1. All right, you foolish Galatians. So if we go back and we're, if we were to go back and read chapter 2, Paul is opposing Peter to his face. All right, the, the, Peter is one of the 12, kind of considered the head of the church, uh, the Jewish church um, after Jesus' resurrection and ascension into heaven. And so Paul is confronting Peter to his face because Peter is, uh, when these guys came, they, they're from what we call the circumcision party. They, they were trying to put Christians, new Christians who were Gentiles, who became Christians, still considered Gentiles, according to the Bible, um, anyone who is not a Jew is a Gentile. Okay. That's just the easiest way to think about it. Um, they were trying to get these people who had faith in Jesus Christ to be circumcised because they believed that that's the only way that you could truly have faith in Jesus. And Paul is saying, no, that's not true. You, you're, you're messing with the gospel. You're adding things to the gospel. All right. So let's go to verse or chapter three, verse one again, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has deceived you? Who has drawn you away? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. What he's saying is, you saw it. You saw Jesus before he was crucified. You saw him crucified on the cross, and yet you're, you're being drawn away by these circumcision guys who are requiring of you to be circumcised. Verse 2. 
I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Did you did did anyone when we go back and look at the Old Testament before Jesus came, they had to follow the Jewish law. If you wanted to be if you wanted to have your sins absolved, you had to follow the Jewish law. 600 and some Jewish laws. You had to follow them all. If you broke one, you broke them all. And so if you weren't perfect, you broke them all. And he's asked, Paul is asking here, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by observing the law? No, they didn't observe. They didn't receive the spirit, the Holy spirit by observing the law. It was like a drudgery observing the law or by believing. Uh, where was it? Or, or by believing what you heard, they believed by what they heard. If they did not see, but they believed by what they heard, that's faith, right? It's, it's, it's believing without seeing. Verse three, are you so foolish after beginning with the spirit? Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? So what Paul's asking here, are you trying to get saved by your own efforts? Are you trying to do these things to be saved? Because we all know, as, as, as we've seen earlier on in Galatians, here in Galatians chapter 2, there's nothing we can do. And we're gonna, Paul's going to say that more on that here. Verse 3. Uh, uh, did we just read verse 3? I think we did. Sorry, I'm, I'm struggling this morning, guys. Let's read verse three again. Are you so foolish? After beginning with the spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Verse four, have you suffered so much for nothing if it really was for nothing? So the church is being persecuted. They're still being persecuted. So Paul used to be named Saul and he was going around persecuting the church. He actually oversaw the death of several Christians, one in particular, Stephen. He was like, yeah, let's do this. Let's stone this guy. And they did. They stoned Stephen. Now, Paul didn't throw stones, but he held the coats of those who did. He was like, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting the church. Paul was throwing, or Saul at the time, we'll just call him Paul. Paul was throwing Christians into jail because they were, they were part of this new church. And Paul was a Pharisee. He wanted these, he wanted to stomp this thing out until God got a hold of him. And now he's like one of, he is the biggest proponent of, of the church, the Christian church, in my opinion. All right. That could be totally false. Maybe there was others that were bigger proponents of the church, the new Christian church in that time but maybe they didn't write about it. Paul wrote a lot of letters, and so his are scripture. His were inspired by God. Uh, Let's see. Have you suffered so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing. Verse 5. Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? So, if, if we read in the Gospels where Jesus is, that's primarily where Jesus, the words of Jesus are, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all right? Um, 
we see that Jesus is doing miracles not by the law. He he came to he came to fulfill the law, not not to be under the law. And so Jesus kind of broke broke us free from having to be under the law because he fulfilled the law. He was the final sacrifice. Does God give you the spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? No miracles were done by believing the law. The law was a burden. It really was. And and the, the, the Jewish leaders kept heaping on more rules and more laws on the people because they thought that's how you become holy. And that's not it. And that's what Paul is asking here. Um, did you see miracles because you believed in the law, because you observed the law? No, there was no miracles by observing the law. But it was, they did see miracles because of the Spirit, because of Jesus, because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, Consider Abraham. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So now we're going way back to Abraham. That's in the Old Testament. And we, we have the Abrahamic law. That's where we get a lot of the law, all right, that God handed down to Abraham. He believed, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So because Abraham believed God, it was credited to him as righteousness. Verse 7, understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. Those who believe in God, those who believe that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again, they put their faith in Jesus Christ, that he was actually the Son of God. That it's the same thing for them as it was for Abraham. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. So if you believe in Jesus Christ, you're a child of Abraham. Verse 8, the scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. That's a quotation that God. That's the promise that God gave Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So the scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles. You and I, who are not Jewish, we would be able to be justified as well. We would be able to be have eternal life because we are children of Abraham if we believe in Jesus Christ. Verse 9, so those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So we're blessed. If we believe in Jesus Christ, we're blessed by the gift of the Holy Spirit, by by Jesus Christ. Verse 10, all who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Okay, so this, this is kind of... I want to I want to tread gently here, but I also want to be honest. All right? This is what I see the Catholic Church doing. This is what I see the Catholic Church doing. Because 
it says here, all who rely on observing the law are under a curse. So what I see the Catholic Church doing is they are required, if they want to be, if they want to continue to be saved, they have they must go to Mass every week. They must partake in the Eucharist every week. They must go to confession every week. If they do not, then there's they they could be they could die. This is what the Catholic Church believes is that if you don't, you could die after committing a mortal sin and that will send you to hell. But that doesn't jive with the gospel. The gospel says, if you believe, you shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It doesn't say anything about you must take communion. You must go to mass or church. You must do confession. It doesn't say that. Nowhere does it say that, that you have to do that. I, I, I look at the thief on the cross. He probably never went to church a day in his life. He had no idea that Je- who Jesus Christ even was until he was on the cross. He was hurling insults at Jesus, just like the other thief. He was cursing Jesus. And then somehow he had a change of heart. And, and as he and Jesus are talking, Jesus says to him, today, surely today, you will be with me in paradise. He doesn't say, surely today, you will be with me in purgatory. Or surely 20 years from now, after you've been in purgatory for such, such and such a time, you'll be with me in paradise. No, he says, you today, you will be with me in paradise. And, and I have family who are Catholic. And, and I love them dearly. But they, they try to explain this away by saying that, well, certainly God could, could make an exception. He's God, right? He, could do, he can do anything he wants to. Yes, but God is consistent. He, he doesn't change with whims. He doesn't change with the breeze. God is consistent. We see it all throughout Scripture. If God says he requires something, he requires something. He doesn't change it based on person to person. He doesn't do that. And so I I find it very hard to believe that God, if the church today has to do communion and be baptized and go to church and do confession, that he would require the same thing of the man on the cross, the thief on the cross, because God is consistent and Jesus was consistent. So that that's why I, 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 I have a really hard time believing what the Catholic church teaches on that because they're, they're, they're adding to the gospel. Let me read verse 10 again. And again, I'm trying to be gentle here, but I want to be honest. I want to be honest where I'm at. 
All right. You might be listening. You might be Catholic. That's okay. All right. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross? He was buried. He rose again three days later. Do you believe that? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. I believe that. And if you believe that, then I believe you will be saved. All right? That, that's what I believe. And even though you might have some wrong, wrong think, in my opinion, that does not mean that you're not saved. All right? I, I just don't, I don't see that. Okay? Let's read verse 10 again. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Again, we have the Catholic catechism, and that's that's not all rules. There's, there's more rules to the Catholic Church than I know. I haven't studied a lot, but I've read a few books on it. The, the thing is, is that in my view, according to this, according to verse 10, if you're trying to do anything in your own power to get to heaven, you're still under the law, which means you're cursed. You're still cursed because you have to follow that to the T. You have to follow it. Like if you miss one, it's over. And that's the beauty of grace. That's the beauty of of faith in Jesus Christ. We are no longer under the law. We no longer have to observe the law. That's the beauty. Because we could never, we could never be perfect under the law. No one could keep it. We're all sinners. We're all sinful. We all make mistakes. We could never do it. And that's why if we if we if we're under the law, we all die. Every single one of us cuz we're not perfect. And that's why it's so important to realize that we have faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. He didn't come to abolish it. We know our sinfulness by the law. So we need the law. But Jesus Christ fulfilled the law so that we can have faith in him so that we can believe on him so that his righteousness is imputed to us in our unrighteousness. That's that's the beauty of the gospel. Verse 11, clearly no one is justified before God by the law. Because the righteous will live by faith. That's a quote from the Bible. The righteous will live by faith. Again, verse 11. Clearly, no one is justified by the law. What is justified means? Means that you are absolved of your sin. You're absolved of your sin. Clearly, no one is absolved of their sin by observing the law. Because the righteous will live by faith. That is found, I believe that's found in Romans 3.28. At least that's what my little 
reference says here. So, <laughs> uh, verse 12, the law is not based on faith. On the contrary, quote, the man who does these things will live by them. So if you, if you, if you follow the law, you need to live by the law. If you follow the law, you need to follow the letter of the law. And if you don't, then you're, you're a lawbreaker, right? Just like if you get pulled over for speeding, well, you're a lawbreaker. You broke the law. You're going to get a ticket. It's the same thing. Verse 13, only there's a little bit more dire consequences for breaking God's law. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. This is where Paul, Paul is saying, this is where the gospel comes in. Christ redeemed us from the curse. What does redeemed mean? It means made us new. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. The law was a curse from, from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. What, is, what does Paul mean here? It means that Jesus Christ dying on the cross took our sin upon him. He took our sin upon him and died for it all. No one else could do this. No one else could take on that amount of sin and live, first of all. It had to be God. It had to be God to do this. Verse 13 again. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Again, he just goes back to scripture. Cursed is anyone who is hung on a tree. Jesus was cursed because the sin of the world was placed on him. That's why the father turned his face away. Because that's why God the father turned his face away. Because God cannot look on sin. He doesn't want to be a part of it. It, it. He couldn't do it. Jesus took it for us. He took our punishment for us. And praise God that Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, was able to die on the cross for our sin, take our sin, and rise again from the dead. Because now we have faith, we have hope, we have hope in Jesus Christ. Verse 14. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Do you see the line, the through line, all the way from Abraham, all the way from the beginning? The through line leading to Christ. God made a promise to Abraham. And Jesus comes and fulfills the promise. He fulfills the promise so that the Gentiles can also live by faith. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Because before it was just the Jews who had a promise. But now Jesus Christ came 
so that we Gentiles could also receive the promise of the Spirit. It's good news, guys. It's great news. Verse 15, I'm sorry, verse 15. Brothers, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant or contract that has been duly established between two parties, so it is in this case. Let's keep reading. Verse 16. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed, his offspring. The spirit, well, I shouldn't say offspring. We're, we're, he, Paul's getting to it. The promise was spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. So way back then, you got to understand, this was a plan from before God created the first human beings, Adam and Eve. He, this was the plan. God the Father made a covenant with God. Jesus Christ, the son, that Jesus would one day come as a sacrificial lamb to save the people of this world, to give them an opportunity to live, to be the bride of Jesus Christ, to to live with Christ forever. This This was a plan from the beginning. Verse, uh, let's see, verse 16 again. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. Verse 17, what I mean is this, the law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. So, Moses received the law, the Ten Commandments, 430 years after Abraham, after the promise to Abraham. All right, that's something you have to know. Um, and that the only way you know that is by reading the Old Testament. That's why the Old Testament is just as good as the New Testament, because you get all this background history and it all leads to Jesus Christ. Verse 18. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on a promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Let's read that again. Verse 18. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on a promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Let me go to my commentary here because that I'm struggling to make sense of that in my mind. Here we go. 318. The inheritance must be either by faith or by works. It cannot be both. Scripture makes it clear that it was given to Abraham by unconditional promise. So, so it is with salvation. It is offered as an unconditional gift. Any thought of working for it is excluded. And that's what I was saying earlier. Any thought of working for salvation is excluded. You can't do it. You can't earn it. It's a free gift. There's nothing you can do in your sinful nature that can get you salvation. It can't, it can't be done. So 
any works. Eucharist can't be done. The Eucharist is not going to save you. All right? It's not. That's a work. You're doing it. You have to show up. You have to take that into yourself. That's a work. You can't do it. Good deeds, serving your neighbor. That's a work that is not going to get you to heaven. It's good to do. It cannot save you. The only thing that can save you is Jesus Christ. Faith alone in Jesus Christ. That, that's the only thing we have. These other things aren't going to save you. They're works. Your works can't save you. Verse 19. What then was the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. What then was the purpose of the law? Okay, so now he's going to answer his own question. It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. That's why they made sacrifices. The law included sacrifices for sin. Blood had to be shed for sin. That's why they brought animals to to be sacrificed. And that, that was to absolve them of their sins until the promised seed of Abraham, Jesus Christ, had come. The law was put into effect through angels by a mediator. Verse 20, a mediator, however, does not represent just one party, but God is one. All right, let's go back to the commentary. Verse 320, if there was only one contracting party and he made an unconditional promise requiring nothing from the other party, there would be no need for a mediator. The fact that the law required a mediator implied that man must keep his part of the agreement. This was the weakness of the law. It called for obedience from those who did not have the power to give it. When God made his promise to Abraham, he was the sole contracting party. This was the strength of the promise. Everything depended on God and nothing on man. No mediator was involved because none was needed. Do you see? It's all on God. It's all God. It's not us. All we can do is have faith. Believe. That's it. There is no work that we can do to get us to heaven. None. There is no thing that we can do. No service, not eating anything, not drinking anything, nothing that we can do to get us to heaven. It's all by the grace of Jesus Christ. Verse 21. Is the law, therefore, opposed to the promise of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. So if there was a law that could have imparted life, we wouldn't have needed Jesus Christ to die. He would have died for nothing because we would have righteousness through the law. But clearly... We did not have righteousness through the law because we're still lawbreakers. We still break the law because we can't keep it perfectly because we are not perfect. Verse 22, but the scripture declares, 
that the whole world is a prisoner of sin, so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. But the scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin. Everyone is a prisoner of sin. Every single one. So that what was promised, the promise to Abraham, the promised seed, Jesus Christ, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. All who believe receive Jesus Christ. It doesn't say all who partake in the Eucharist meal receive Jesus Christ. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say all who do good works receive Jesus Christ. It doesn't say that. It says all who believe, period. There's nothing else. All who believe, period. Verse 23. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So we were all held prisoner by the law until Jesus Christ came. We were all under the curse of the law. We had to hold true, we had to observe the law and hold it exactly. We had to be perfect. No one is perfect. So we were under the curse of the law until Jesus Christ came, until the promise came. Verse 24, so the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. We're justified by faith. We're not justified by our works. It doesn't say anything about works here. Do this, do that, then you'll be saved. Do this with faith and you'll be saved. Do that with faith and you'll be saved. No, it says by faith, we will be justified by faith. Verse 25, now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. We no longer have to obey the law. We no longer have to obey the law. Here's the thing, though. When you believe in Jesus Christ, the process through the process of sanctification being made perfect in our hearts, we start to desire to do what is right. We desire to obey the law. We desire to be good. We desire to do good things. We desire to, to, to do good works. Our good works don't save us, but we desire to do them as God continues to make us more perfect through his spirit. The good works are a result of our faith in Jesus Christ, not, not a part of the salvation process. They are a result. They're an outcome. They're an outpouring of our faith in Jesus Christ. It's through faith alone in Jesus Christ. Those good works come out from us because of the sanctifying process. We want to do good. Those good works don't save us but we desire to do good works once we believe in Jesus Christ. Verse 26, you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you are a son or a daughter 
of God. You're an adopted son or daughter of God. Verse 27, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. You, you've put off your old self. You've put on Christ is basically what he's saying. Christ now lives in you. Verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. All of us, if we, if we believe in Jesus Christ and we have put on Jesus Christ and he, the Holy Spirit lives within us, there is no difference between any of us. Sure, you might be a slave. You might be in debt to someone. That's what in the Bible, that's what a slave is. It's an indentured servant. You might be slave or you might be free. Those labels don't matter among us, among those who believe. They do not matter. We are the same. We have an equal inheritance. We have an equal inheritance in Jesus Christ. Verse 29. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Do you hear that? You are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You're Abraham's seed. Who else was Abraham's seed? Jesus Christ. You are a brother or sister with Jesus Christ. You are an adopted son or daughter of Jesus Christ. When you believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. If you believe in your heart, if you accept Jesus Christ, if you believe and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you are a co-heir. You're an heir with Jesus Christ. You're an adopted son and daughter. You have all the rights that Jesus has. Does that make us equal with Jesus, equal with God? No, no, no. But we're adopted. And we have a lot of that same stuff. A lot of equality with Jesus Christ. But we are not God. Don't, don't mistake it. All right, we are not God. I'm not saying that. We, we are not little gods. We're not these little little beings that can cast out demons. Yeah, we, we can pray, but God casts out demons. We do not. The Holy Spirit can do that work. In and of ourselves, we can do nothing. It is only by, the, by faith in Jesus Christ that we can do anything. And it's not even us. It's the Holy Spirit. All right? Don't, don't misunderstand me. All right? We are not, we are not little Jesuses running around. We're not, we're not the same. We're not. We're adopted. We have, we have the rights to the inheritance. All right? We have the rights to the inheritance, which is heaven, which is uh, an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. But we don't get to be part of God. God is three people in one, three persons in one. God is one. All right? So we, we, we cannot be God. But we have, we have inheritance. When you're adopted into a rich family, you have, you are, you have, 
you have access to the inheritance. Okay? You're not blood, but you have access to the inheritance. I hope that makes sense. And that ends Galatians chapter 3. I hope I wasn't confusing there at the end on verse, what was it? On verse 29. I'm sure it was clear as mud, but... (laughs) But that's where we're going to end today. I'm, I apologize. I didn't have enough time to study, really study this. This was, Galatians chapter 3 is chock full of good gospel truth. And, and I, I, I hope that you guys will sit down and study it. Read it and read it and read it and read it again. Because it is just chock full of good stuff. Galatians in general is chock full of good stuff. The Bible in general is chock full of good stuff. But Galatians is one of my favorite books of the Bible. So guys, that ends this episode of the Faith Friday. Uh, what do I want to say? I don't know. This was this ends Faith Friday episode. Uh, man, I'm struggling. Guys, we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. I hope God blesses you. I hope he just rocks your world. If you do not believe yet that Jesus died, rose again, if you're not there yet, continue to read your Bible, continue to listen to this podcast, continue to listen to sermons. One of the best things that I've found while working outside, I listen to a podcast channel and it's it's Founders. It's just called Founders. And it's a bunch of pastors. They do conferences and stuff. They record the sermons and they post them on this on this uh, podcast thing. All right. It, I find mine on Apple Podcasts. You can find it probably wherever you find podcasts. I've been listening to those and devouring. They are so good. So look up Founders. It'll It should pop up. Um, just so many good podcasts. Bible-believing pastors that give messages on that that particular channel. So check that out if you're working outside. But guys, that's it for this episode. I will see you in the next Faith Friday episode.